0: hello, hello. You've, you've caught us licking our lips <laughs> that sounds so dodgy wow from tasting because, a delicious yes. dram uh
1: before yes if you're just tuning in for the first time and you're wondering why two men are talking about licking lips um let's introduce each other and sort that out so oh, introduce ourselves i'm bruce and i'm stefan and we talk about uh books and theater and music and other art related objects and I see, I switched that. Instead of object to art, it was... Anyway. Um, And uh, yes, things that excite us more than working. This pod that we cast known as the chorus. The chorus, chorus. yes. And uh, why we were licking our lips for some context there is because we are trying out at
0: precisely
1: three minutes past eight in the morning (laughs) um, some Ah, clubman. Single gra- single grain Scotch whiskey, yeah, which is very good, very it's all good. Downhill so. from here, yes. Cheers, cheers. yeah, let's cheers. There che- we go. Che- oh, there we go. Some good some now good resonance. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm. Now, as a note to any <laughs> <laughs> listeners, are you slurping that coffee <laughs> <laughs> through your moustache? That was that was the whiskey. I'll slurp <laughs> the coffee oh, now. Oh, okay, coffee yes. uh, <laughs> As a note to any um, listeners who may be prospective uh, guests one day, this Hague <sighs> Club clubman whiskey was a, a gift from yes, our last from our, guest our first and so far
1: very best gift yeah uh best yes, bron- guest we've best ever guest. had bron williams
0: um yes so thank you bron for the uh yeah she sponsorship of, of flux trains uh, we recommend things. you follow her on the twitter and the things and which i started doing She's very very funny prolific as well, yes, prolific and funny. Very good, lovely. Yes. Uh, so, Bronwyn, this is fantastic. We have in the past said, um, and I thought possibly we would we would lie and say this is our first sponsorship. All whiskies have sponsored us. Others <laughs> should join suit. Others should join, though. Um, to be fair, because we're open to that, but we do appreciate whiskey. Uh, this is a single grain. This, this is crutch. very good. I like it, and it's matured in bourbon casks. Now, mm-hmm. I must confess that both of us were somewhat. Taken aback at the fact that on the back of the bottle it on suggested, bottle. suggested that you mix it with cola or some other mixer. It's terrifying. Which is terrifying for us old dyed in the wool mm. whiskey people who believe you should be in a dark study in a smoking jacket as Absolutely. you savour your single malt. Um, Siss, neat man. or Siss. or with a splash of spring water, or possibly an ice cube or two. But I know uh, many whiskey companies, and I think this is one that sort of relaunched itself um, in a modern way to try and appeal or try to make whiskey. Um, more palatable to kind of everybody. For the so, youth, but not under 18. Exactly. Because do- it also says that on the bottle. True that. But you don't have to be one of these whiskey connoisseurs that yeah. enjoys it, you know, very purely. You can mix it with whatever you drink it however you like, which basically is the whiskey company saying, please, 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 everyone buy, buy our whiskey. Yes. As many people as possible. We will then have an event with somebody
1: in a smoking jacket to mm. which we'll hopefully invite Bruce and Stefan. Uh, but I have to say, Hague Club, kudos this is delicious it is very good even at eight oh five in the morning mm. um oh what's the dog trying to do um, right it's rosie <coughs> if yes. you
0: hear various things in the background noises unbeknownst to you that is the third member of our team yeah rosie the dog, yes. who is nearly a year old now goodness old rosie me. gosh not a well still a puppy still a little poopy mm. right what shall we talk about the first to poop in poopy is pretty much Rosie's. yes pretty much um let's see are there any regrets from last week i don't know i don't, that think, I have. So. I don't think so um, i think it was fine i think uh we were probably um i don't want to say better behaved but i think it was good <laughs> that there was another person in the room it sort of put us on our game probably a little we bit too much had, we had to sound a little we had bit to sound less
1: stupid which was a thing yeah um that's so you. that
0: that happened but it was enjoyable having a guest and we hope to have more mm. uh, i've got someone in mind that i'll chat to bruce off mic just in case it doesn't nice. happen and if you would like to
1: be said guest, or one of said guests, please uh, do get in touch. Right. Um, and getting in touch generally, thechoruspodcast at gmail.com. Exactly. Or on tw- on the Twitter, at thechorus9, that's the number nine, at thechorus9. Um, yeah, email thechoruspodcast at gmail.com. So we, yeah, we're keen to, to hear what you want to talk about, either have us talk about or come on come on with us and and
0: chat about it yourself absolutely great you could be grand yeah you can find this podcast in all the usual suspects places and uh, you can connect with us on those uh, platforms as well yes indeed please uh subscribe i think that makes a difference to us uh, somehow in, in logistic uh, algorithmically or whatever yeah and Bumps also on, um somewhere yeah. And makes us easier to find. Leave a co- comment, I think, would be nice as well, and uh, a review. I don't know, all those sorts of things are very helpful. Do so that stuff. Help, help us yes. out. Yes. Right. Uh, our first feature of the day is. What is it? Oh. So what we've sh- been
1: reading. How about let's that? Let's do. Let's do what we've been reading. I have been reading, um, and it's it's the book is this big. Gosh, there we go. There we go. Um, it's called On the Plane of Snakes, a Mexican Road Trip. Snakes on a Plane is the first thing that I think about <laughs> ah, there. Nice. And I wonder Very if good.
0: Mr Thoreau decided on that as a no, title. No, I doubt it. I doubt it. Because Snakes uh, on a plane. No, Come that's on. that's from a
1: conversation he had, but uh, it, it does work. It does work. Um, so Paul, are you saying Thoreau? I say Thoreau. Thoreau, Thoreau, Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah. That guy, Louis's dad. Um Anyway, uh, f- fantastic travel and, writer, and very well-known very travel very writer. Yes, very respected um, and very, he very was. insightful, but also very heavy on the research. Which sounds like a strange thing to say because uh, part of what I wanted to chat about with this this book is that um, Theroux's style of of travel writing involves an enormous amount. Or it involves an agenda. Okay. First off, he's got he's got an idea that he wants to explore as opposed to exploring first taking notes and then trying to find a narrative Hmm. he's got a he's got a thing that he wants to see Um, and then he's he's just kind of tireless as well which is fantastic in terms of um, of uh, getting to see things that you will you know through his eyes that you you otherwise wouldn't but um, it also can get quite heavy because he you know he might he might uh, lean into some uh, political area um, and then do six or seven or fifteen pages on on the background behind the political viewpoint oh, okay, or party right. or the so whatever,
0: whatever. It can be quite inte- in te- uh, intellectual. Yes, yes.
1: And occasionally, I think if you're looking for armchair traveling, I think it can be a little bit intimidating as well. That said, um, it, it, what <laughs> as a travel writer myself, but uh, professionally, I do magazines and that kind of thing, and those are you know, so travel features. So I am working on a, a book I took notes for on a trip what now 20 years ago good gracious um and what always strikes me with 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 Paul's uh writing and and the setup of his his books and how how, you know how he researches them it's just that he has a solid budget I think that's just the South African talking trying to travel on on the Ront but um you know he's he's for this he's in Mexico for months you know, and he's in he's in different places every night. He takes
0: his own car. He's a, he's a, he's a U.S. citizen, so he drives from the U.S. Um, and now, do you think that's an advance for, from the publisher, or is that a look? I don't know.
1: You, I mean, he's 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 sort of late on in his career now, super uh, respected, mm, and and, and you know, seventy-five books later or whatever. It's not quite that many, but um, you know, he's he's a he's a best-selling author, and things are different. You know, and obviously, writing is probably not the only thing he does either and so there'll be other income but um i just was struck by the fact that you can i I think it's just a a sort of observation that you can you can write a book like this if you can put in the number of hours that
0: are necessary for a book like this um that's interesting i wonder you know i don't imagine an author footing the bill themselves or i wonder how that works like look at especially if it's a big uh, yeah i don't know actually i didn't i didn't i didn't research that it
1: might be but that's it i mean he's got um you know there's a a few photos in the middle there and many of them are by steve mccurry who's a a national geographic i think he might be a pulitzer prize winner you know yeah yeah so you know these are the these are the kids these are the kids he plays with um so you know that alone might mean there there was a, a sort of separate documentary that came out of a TV rights et cetera, et cetera et cetera so i'm 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 sure there is a business but sure. my point being you can't you know if i go to I take leave and i go to whatever the south coast of kwazulu natal for a week mm. which is what happens in my world um, i can i can take a lot of notes and i can fill out the notes with some some well observed You know, thoughts and and creativity and that kind of thing, and I can make I can make something that feels longer than a week when you're reading it, but um, I can't. uh, Yeah, I can't do the kind of detail that he gets into, which is always fascinating to me. And I, I, again, I'm a huge fan, and I always get to a point in his books where I go, "Oh, this is a bit heavy," Hmm. (laughs) and it's usually about sort of two thirds of the way through, not not necessarily two thirds of the way through the book, but two thirds of the way through the experience, if that makes sense. Sure. so he is he's a challenging writer but it's uh he's also he's very kind of human writer in that he's he's always always um interviewing people along the way so you get to know mexico through mexicans which is the way that it should happen and again that's that's it sounds like a horribly obvious thing to say but it's it's too many travel writers go. I went there and I saw this, and I th- that's this what, is I, what I think about it. Yeah. yeah, which is valid, but not necessarily useful. Um, Mexico on the plane of snakes a Mexican road trip is obviously deeply topical and and problematic in in terms of much of, of what it discusses because of Trump. He's he's all over this mm. because of um, uh, poverty, uh, just incredible poverty in, sure. in parts of, of parts of Mexico. When he goes, uh, Mexico City, just this. Mind-boggling, Joe you know, Joburg ten times over yeah. kind of scenario that we can't get our heads around, and gangsters everywhere, and this and that, and the next thing. It's the other thing. I mean, he's, you know, he's an experienced bloke. He's a large man. Uh, Paul is, all of this, that, and the next thing. Um, but he's also, I think, in his seventies now, and he's travelling on his own. He's a brave guy. Hmm. <laughs> there's some stuff. Okay. There's some stuff he does here, which um, and again, it's not it's not reckless stuff, but it is going to see people, uh, that are not nice people. Hmm um to get their side of the story it is um yeah it is it is it is going into dangerous places because whatever there's the the, the police are corrupt mm. um so and there's a there's a roadblock somewhere so he takes a takes a side road which in the middle of a torrential downpour on the side of a mountain da 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 you know all of this kind of wow. stuff um it's it's fascinating like all of his books it's a fascinating book um his last one, deep south. Oh, is, is one I'll just is is one that I still have, which uh, I'm kind of I kept because I wanted to use it as a template for the book that I'm writing. Okay, which is about a, a long back back backpacking trip around Europe. Um, because again, it it looks at the people. Um, there are so many templates for for writing travel. Again, you can, you know, we can describe your place here, the r- the room that we're recording sure. in, in in detail through our eyes using the terms that we use. And it will paint a picture for somebody, and somebody else could come up after us and, you know, examine exactly the same stuff, to, um, describe exactly the same stuff, and give somebody a different picture. Absolutely. Um, so I find I find travel writing fascinating on a number of levels for those reasons. I'm not sure that this is a an armchair traveler's book. I don't think it, you know. Also, it paints a very different picture of, of Mexico to uh, what a travel agent will give you, sure. um, and probably I would imagine a much more um, Accurate one, um, and that again is very problematic because there are um, yeah there are a number of, of long-term political strategies between the the U.S. and, and Mexico and whatever, which mean X Y Z in all the border towns yeah. and the wall and uh, the the uh, cartels and so on and so on and so on and so on. So it's just it's a hugely complicated place, hmm. a fascinating place. Um, yeah, I I, I suppose <laughs> getting to the end of it, would I like to go there? In his, I'd like to go everywhere. Would, sure. Based on this, in terms of, of the challenges at the moment, politically, safety-wise, I'm not sure. This this book leaves me a kind of 50 uh, flip a coin area okay. as to whether I'd like to go. But as uh, all of that said, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a challenging read. It it engages your brain, it engages your imagination, makes you think, uh, makes you disagree with him, makes you agree with him. Hmm. Um, on the Plain of Snakes, a Mexican road trip by Paul Theroux. Um and yeah I mean again if if you are a fan of Louis Theroux which I really really am it's the same kind of um investigative un- and and smart kind of uh in investigation of something that I think is is really worthwhile. It's it's a journalist writing a travel book. You know it's not it's not a yeah. <laughs> it's okay. not it's not an influencer. <laughs> writing a travel book so on, check that wash out on the plane of snakes a mexican road trip paul through uh hmm. published by somebody published by uh penguin,
0: penguin. random house so yeah wash your yeah. mouth out with whiskey for talking of influences who who are the <laughs> who are the the stars of travel writing i mean i'm not a, i don't you know you get people who who just read sort of biography and, mm-hmm. and imagine there's a group of people who really enjoy travel writing and I've encountered travel writing in a few spaces, but if I think of travel writers, I think of Bill Bryson. Yeah, I was going to say as well. Um, notes from a small island. Notes from a, a big. Bill's country. interesting because
1: I think I, Notes from a small island I think is possibly the best travel travel writer's book ever hmm. because it 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 just it's magical. It it just makes yeah. you it does everything that the, that these books should do in that it it gives you this desire, this deep desire to go and explore what he's explored and experience what he's experienced and and understand the magic of it, blah, 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 blah. He's got older and (laughs) for instance, Britain and I'm gone blank right now on the the book, the name of his his most recent uh, The follow-up to, Yes, it's a little dribbling, something like that, I've got it right here. Um, But (coughs) that book, not nearly as satisfying as as entertainment. the road to little dribbling. The road to little dribbling. There we go, thing. yes. But you can you can understand it as an older reader as well, if you you know, obviously he's an older guy than me, but we've aged as, at the same time. Um, and understanding that that in the in that case Britain has changed dramatically, mm. not for the better. Um, he's he's become more cynical as an older person and or just more understanding of the way the world works, all of that. Um, less willing to
0: to see the magic, maybe I don't know. Um, what is what is his? I mean, for me, I think uh, just trying to remember now. As I say, I read a book and forget it immediately. But I think something that he does incredibly well is he um, supplies a large amount of very, very, very interesting facts mm. that you're like, ah. Oh. But then he's also uh, telling a very a very personal
1: story. It's very yeah, personal. In, experience. In his case, there's lovely there's lovely humour. Which is always gentle, even when it's cutting. That sounds weird, but he he can be mm. very insightful in his humor. But he, he never he's never aggressive. He's never nasty, um, which many people are. And I think humor does a, a lot of that. I think it's also that that ability. Any good writer, uh, travel writer, that ability to see a detail that others probably missed. Yeah. Um, and then the the third thing I would I'd say to to. Uh, to really catch me, anyway, as a reader, is is a, a, an innovative, maybe even a poetic way of describing something. So, um, as an editor for a magazine which carries travel stories, the number of times I have to tell people, you know, you went to the lodge or the hotel or the whatever, whatever, I really don't give a flying toss. Yeah, you know, if what the tea I facilities are, toss flying or otherwise. <laughs> what the, the facility tea. tea facilities are in the room, or what. How the, f- you know, the, the thread the count of the etc., 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 by a young lad before. You see, that would be a better story. Of um, but it's it's this thing where people are going, uh, they're essentially elaborating on a pamphlet. That kills me. That makes me want to headbutt something. Sure, absolutely. Um, whereas Bryson, generally in a warm, humorous way, Theroux, generally in an intellectual, journalistic way, mm. they're going, here is something very specific, and we're going to elaborate on that. So he... I mean, in this book, he he starts by driving all the way along the US-Mexican border and and hopping over and back and over and back and over and back and over and back to see what the border is about. Sure. Because he he thinks, and he's right, I think that'll give me an understanding from an American perspective on how the rest of the country works or why the rest of the country works that way. and, and again, and every time he's, you know, he sits down somewhere to eat and he talks to the guy across the table from him who's a laborer or a this or a that or a somebody else. It's not, it doesn't set up an interview necessarily. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, Justin Fox, a Cape Town travel writer, um, writing for me once and he described coming in on a Cessna or something to this lodge where they were going. Um, and he was talking about turbulence and he said something about, I can't even remember if it was riding or, or or tumbling or something, but on corrugated air.
0: Hmm.
1: And I just thought that, it, it, clearly, that little phrase has stuck with me. And I'm just going, that's the kind of thing you need. You know exactly what it means, hmm. that feeling. Yeah, the yeah in a small plane, but and it's corrugated. Okay, got it. I know exactly. Two two words. Um, rather than somebody going, you know, it was very hot when we flew from Mound to somewhere else hmm. in the Delta, and then it was bumpy. And shut up, man. Because you don't want to yeah. go. You <laughs> don't want you don't want to have that person's no. experience. exactly. You want to have the 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 intelligent person's experience which sounds incredibly snobby but so be it I think it's go and and investigate
0: I think so then yeah there is a definite uh, art to travel writing Mm. successful travel writing or maybe not successful but um, good travel writing yeah and I think it involves people it reminded me of something I read a little bit earlier on this year uh, something that I spotted and I thought that looks nice I thought it was a current book and my uh, wife's brother's wife. Obviously. What is she to me? Is she a sister in law? I don't know. I <laughs> uh, was reading it in London, and she said, "Oh, when I'm done, I'll send it to you." And she she did. Um, the Adventures or Adventures of a Young Naturalist, which is David Attenborough's The Zoo Quest Expeditions, which was released last year or the year before, mm. but it's actually a collection of something that was published in 1954 or thereabouts. Okay. When he was offered off the opportunity to travel, um, finding uh, animals for London Zoo collection, and to form that expedition, and it was a show called Zoo Quest, and there was three um, trips that he went on: Guyana, Paraguay, whatever, whatever, whatever. What um, so, it's sort of three books collected in one, mm-hmm. and it's also really, really good, charming, mm. and uh, way back when. Um, I remember reading Willard Price books as yes, a child, yeah, yes. yep, as well. Tiger adventure, yes, African adventure, and Pacific and adventure, yeah, and very whatever. much um, in that vein, but obviously not, not fictitious, f- fictitious, yeah. Uh, Gerald Dollar as well, yeah. My yeah. family and other animals, correct that kind of thing. Did you watch? Oh, we've spoken about the Durrells, didn't we? I don't think so. No. The Durrells TV, the, the series. TV series. Oh man, so charming. <laughs> I recommend it. Only three seasons, um, but just so charming and funny and brilliant and lovely. Um, but yeah, David Attenborough, the zoo expeditions, also travel writing, but very much on a naturalistic mm. um, animals and so on. See again the two two.
1: He maybe combines. We've been talking about Bill Bryson and uh, Paul Theroux, and he's probably in the middle. Also very warm, funny, but a great journalist. It's stuck in the middle. Oh, yeah boy. Um, now we're gonna have to pay that pay for that. Uh, possibly. Um, well, it wasn't twelve seconds. I don't know. Uh, but
0: very yeah, good. but great great stuff. What have you been reading, Sam? Um, Well, I was happy to to bring in David Attenborough because actually I'm still only kind of two thirds of the way through the um, "Good Vibrations," "My Life as a Beach Boy," "Mike Love" book, which what are you thinking of it? is is fascinating to read, um, and you're quite right in that I've always been obsessed with Brian Wilson and that narrative, and it's a narrative that surrounds Brian that is about a lot of things that are separate from the kind of what I imagine would be the 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 journey of a beach boy it's Mm, you mm. know um I have to say I I I haven't found him a particularly likable guy Mr. Love yeah um and I don't know why that is. He, he, he sort of grew up in a, a very privileged uh, upbringing, sort of really successful parents and a massive house and everything that he could want. And every now and then he he says things that I find a little. Uh, I don't know. I'm sort of offended by by his <laughs> his sensibilities. I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm I'm wrong. But what I didn't know is um, he. Uh, co-wrote many of the very big early hits of, this, of yes. the Beatles, even if it was just lyrically, um, but but wasn't credited. Yes, and he kept on sort of saying to Brian, "Listen, we've released this the new one again. I see my name's again not on there." And Brian was like, "Oh, yeah, no, no, I'll we'll Ch- I'll chat to my but dad." You see,
1: this is sorry, touching on your on your. He sounds a bit aggro from time to time.
0: Well, not no. even aggro, he just doesn't...
1: Entitled uh, or something. Yeah. I think he's, look, I think, yeah, I think he's, he's I think he's quite brisk. He's quite um, He's quite rough-edged, mm. which, again, in, in, nor- in modern c- contemporary celebrity terms is not allowed. You know, you have to be lovely and smiley and shiny. And
0: yeah, I think you're
1: right there. But I, as I read that book, I think, you know, he, that kind of thing particularly, you know, it's a massive legacy. It's a yep. massive earning issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and you keep getting kicked out of it um and and knowingly so you keep getting sidelined um i'm not at all surprised at the reaction again you don't have to like the person but i'm not at all surprised by the reaction i think a much nicer person might have had exactly the same reaction
0: yeah basically i mean things were even getting kind of reissued and he and 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 the catalog being bought by someone Mm. else and he still was not Earning like years and years of, um, we're talking you know tens mm. of millions of dollars for sure. California that, girls, all yeah, of these that you know a lot thought, of oh, enormous songs. You know it's in the family. I'm gonna get. I'm yeah. gonna get this lump sum. It's gonna happen once Brian sorts it out with his dad and you know and um, that's a, like a huge huge um, issue. But just his attitude towards um, the way he talks about uh, the different time and the rock star lifestyle and his encounters with women and when he tries to make a point about his attitude towards certain things I, I don't no, know It just th- rubbed me the wrong way in some but I some also, way but i I think, don't know. I think he's outspoken i think
1: that's maybe a good way yeah, to put it I, it. and I, fair and, enough and anybody outspoken in any circle of, of friends or, or community or anything is always going to be one of the more difficult people to deal with um but as you know, as he points out in the book, I, I really like the, the yeah the 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 fuller picture that it yeah, paints of, of the band as a whole learning and all of the stuff things. that he he does um, towards the end, which you know about, it's not necessarily a spoiler, but
0: that he carries so much yes. of the legacy forward. I um, think it must have been an incredibly difficult thing for him as a front man as mm. as. You know the, the the face of the band certainly live in terms of the audience he's the one that's really interacting with everyone and, and carrying that and, and feeding off the the public res, reception of yeah. them and their music it must with what was happening with brian and with dennis as well there are a lot more stuff with dennis in this book yeah and his yeah. the manson thing and all that interesting very interesting very interesting stuff <laughs> to do with manson at one point uh, Manson and his, his his cohorts move into to Dennis's home um, and sort of start squatting basically yep, a, a yep. to the point where Dennis then um, becomes a bit disillusioned with it but his his only way to deal with it is eventually he moves out of his own, his own house. house until the lease runs out then the, the owner can kick <laughs> those people out. He's just like, I can't deal with what's going and on. And you can afford... Yeah, you can so afford it to, out, to do yeah. it. Yeah, why not? Um, but it is very, strange very interesting. times. But yeah, so I'm, I'm very... I'm enjoying it. I, um, it. I'm learning things that I didn't know and appreciating things. Um, yeah. Interesting, the Beach Boys, that, that they have such... Um, gold uh, and such brilliance there but then also and I think it speaks to the time I think the Beatles were really on the cusp of changing this Mm. that um, there's a lot of chaff man they released albums and albums of just filler really and with like one or two great songs and I think that was maybe not even to do with the talent of the band, just in terms of timing and getting things out and releasing. Yeah, and, and uh, needing to to yeah. meet obligations. And And I think the Beatles did a lot, you know, when the Beatles released even um, Rubber Soul into uh, Revolver, where it was the first time that, that Brian says he'd heard a band that released an album that was... A fully, yes, you know, conceived was... album is because yeah,
1: be. um, yeah, the the Beach Boys started very much as a singles band by mm. design.
0: So yeah, to to then switch to to making a full album of good stuff was was pretty tough. Yeah, so they'd release a single with with like six other tracks that they hastily recorded to yeah. make an album, which were really not brilliant. Um, not brilliant, and also <laughs> be, even if you think of where they started with this teenage surfing cars girls, yeah. the really banal kind of childish chaff that they released and those early things about the car and the But beach even needing,
1: the... even, yeah, they even stuck around with that those themes later on. You know, but that, again, uh, that's I mean, what's so to interesting to me. It's just, the, yeah, but, you know, one of the biggest bands in the world at the time, for a while the biggest band in the States, certainly, mm. um, but still having to play ball with
0: yeah. marketing, with... Um, well, expe- I th- with expectations with um... and I don't think it was even considered, you know, the industry was in its infancy in a mm. sense I mean the the marketing guys knew what they were doing but they were very much they were the business guys and mm. the bands just hardly saw them, they just expected that stuff to happen and that was the expectation, that was how the world was, you didn't even question it because it was so naturalized, yeah. so this was how things done, whereas of course in today's world everything is uh, you know, le- learning from the past, everything is under a microscope, and, yeah. and people consider and and certainly in the music industry now, where where money is far far less um, than it used to be, everything is very very considered. Mm. Yeah, so I've been enjoying uh, that. An interesting, book. That. It's and an interesting there's book. A pile of other things
1: to read. This pile time. of other things. Right. So I went to the theater last week. Mm.
0: It was fantastic. so. We're we moving now from what we've been reading to what we've been seeing.
1: We could do that. Excellent. I just want to make sure that I get the theatre in there, because yep. I know we, we haven't had obviously much under, under lockdown and such, Very and this good. is one of the the first uh, ones at the Joburg Theatre in, in Bromfontein, um, and uh, it's called Cantiamo, which it's a collection of opera music, oh. um, a lot of uh, the big names, Mozart, Verdi, that kind of thing, and then also some, some South African uh, composers work as well, oh, wow. um, which is fantastic, because great to, great to hear. Not not only great to hear the stuff, but great to hear as somebody who doesn't know uh, an incredible amount about opera. But great to hear how on a level it is when it's performed. the, okay. the, the complexity of the music and and the the arrangements for for the vocals and the vocals themselves. Um, if you don't know anything about opera, you'll walk in, you'll go, that's that's great opera, good. The hmm. end, which is lovely. But uh, to going to the theatre was was a big deal here. Obviously, um, it's uh, it's the first big show mm-hmm. in the Mandela Theater, the uh, whatever it is, two thousand seater, eighteen hundred yeah. seater, um, and uh, only allowed two hundred and fifty people uh, with the regulations. So you know a lot of the seats uh, taped, taped off. off. Okay. Um, <clears throat> have to have masks everywhere, and did you have
0: to have a seat between you and the person next to you, or how did it work? If you
1: came with your plus one, whatever that was, then you could sit together okay, with yes. them. But then I think it was three seats between. All right, good. You know, Those two and the next one. So they had everything marked very very clearly. Um, you had to s- a very great, a great regulation, just well done Jobic Theatre on doing it like this, because I think it makes it easier when you as, a, as a, an audience member, as a consumer, you don't have to worry about crossing lines, you're nervous about crossing. Yeah, sure. So you, you sort of, you, you you're told where to park, you come up the lift, yep. as you get out the lift, there is, a, you get your, you zucchini <laughs> <laughs> sanitizer, and, and you have, to, and a, a scanner. Um, which talks and you're going why
0: is the zucchini talking to me am Scanner i dreaming? for
1: your for your, your temperature and so on and so on uh, and like the you, whiskey and then you have to you have to fill in a form with a pen that you have to keep so you can't touch it and give it back so hmm. little details like that um fantastic and you're all registered and everything's great there's more sanitizer on the wow. way into the theater more sanitizer near the bar and so on and so on and so on um so very very well run very impressed on on that score and then, you know, able to actually just go and enjoy some live performance, which is wonderful. And again, big, big stage, four soloists doing separate numbers and things. At one point, there is a and a choir that comes in, and they're also spread out at the back. And, you know, Joburg Opera, big stage, lots of space. Um, so, yeah, all protocols observed in that sense. Excellent. Um, but lovely, lovely, lovely singing. Again, I, you know, I picked up one as a, as a critic, sort of picked up the occasional uh pitchiness or something just just one or two things which as a singer i'm thinking you can't be an opera singer who doesn't perform for Mm. eight months and then come in and and be perfect so really nothing nothing worrisome at all um but it is wonderful to see everybody back on the road and and doing stuff there that is great and i do want to mention paul ferreira who was the pianist um big uh, i think a yamaha concert grand there um, as the accompanist, live accompanist, just a what accompaniment the accompaniment accompanist accompanist accompanist. I'm going to go with that. Anyway, Paul Ferreira, Um just a just a lovely mellow bloke. I've met him uh, once or twice, but such a great accompanist. He's just he's a, he's an excellent excellent technical pianist, mm-hmm. but also just has this wonderful sense of being able to. Respond to a mood or a phrasing, and he's always watching. He's always watching the singer. And again, where there is a stumble, where there is a a breath that wasn't quite right, or he he adjusts. Hmm. There was there was something. There was one note uh, that had to. There there, the, the piano had to drop out, and then the singer had to to wait a bit and then come in again. And there was a slight pitch issue. Okay. And he just played. He couldn't obviously change the pitch on the piano. But I, I just noticed that he dropped off 40 50 percent on the volume hmm. for the font, fa- and it was one little phrase, and just that it did it out, so it wasn't noticeable. And I'm going for the for the sake of the you know, of the singer in that case for the for the mood of the thing for the as I say the the movement of the music and that he was the only music it was uh, okay so yeah, just the piano just the piano just what a wonderful gift that is not not mm. again lots of people can play piano well. I think it's a it's a special be gift a to be a good sympathetic accompanist sympathetic and musician. sympathetic, and to yeah to adjust at at the the level and the different ways through, through that show, and probably in different performances of the same show, um, as Kudos so Paul. Paul Ferreira, you biscuit, well Welcome. done, sir. Uh,
0: just quickly, I before we move on from what we've been reading and I meant to mention in travel, uh, I would recommend my favorite travel book, Travels with Charlie. In Search of America by John Steinbeck. Ah, yes. Which mentions the Beach Boys. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. Look at us crossing over. So uh, I highly recommend that's from 1962. John Steinbeck, of course, a very great uh, author. Reasonably well known, Jim. yeah. So uh, travel, travel-wise, there we go. Uh, otherwise, uh, what have you been watching? Uh, have you not watched any have you not done any work i've done so many things i have carried on watching twin peaks (laughs) which we spoke of last time i'm now uh, deep into season two which is significantly longer than season one and i'm still loving it what i did do in honor of october and halloween i attended a well i didn't attend i went to a guitar lesson yesterday and ended up going for a walk in the neighborhood for trick and treating because treating Because my students' kids were doing that. But in honor of Halloween, and it's something that I do every year, I try to watch something bone-chillingly, curdling of blood, uh, scary. Reasonable catch, yeah. So I just uh, googled what is the scariest movie ever, ever. made. in the world. But anyway, so uh, there were various things. But one of them was a movie called Sinister, okay, starring Ethan Hawke. Yes, I'm not a massive fan of, but I've enjoyed some of his most recent things. But anyway, there's a movie called Sinister, and it was. I made sure that I watched it in the morning, okay, in the daylight. Was it scary? It was very
1: scary. I've got a thing. I really battle, uh, you know it sounds strange. I really battle to get scared by mm. horror films. I th- I suppose it's. I've, I've you know been uh, fortunate to be a, a film critic for many many years. So I think you see a lot of stuff, and you you see the tricks. Yeah. Uh, and the themes and the tropes and the whatever. So I think you know when you can see something coming, that's half
0: of the the power of a horror film is that you don't see it coming. Yes. Um, it, for instance, where you don't know what it is. It is the thing that you are most correct. scared of. So, uh,
1: but sorry, I'm jumping in there. But uh, so how did Sinister handle that? What what was what was scary? Why was it scary?
0: It's a modern uh, horror uh, kind of picking up on some things. Um, Notably, uh, that I saw in Hereditary, which is another... Um, wasn't scared. I wasn't particularly scared in that one either. <laughs> um, it's freaky, it's worrying, but it's not scary. You know, also I think the the state of mind that you're in when you see it plays a big part. The, the two movies that I can think of in, in recent history that have really scared me was I went to see the, the, the first in Now, which has become a franchise. I see there's a new one coming out. The Conjuring or Conjuring. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember... Watching The Conjuring and coming out of the theater, and my my muscles were sore from gripping Kenshin. gripping the, the That chair. one I think there was remind me
1: now Conjuring in, in uh, towards the end there's a basement scene. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, I forget so. things the I think, moment I watch it. I think them. the Conjuring uh, the female lead and I forget her name. Um, uh, yeah, but she was very good, and I remember. Yeah, I remember sort of getting a bit of a visceral.
0: So yeah, it's based on there. the the Warrens, who are these uh, t- religious real family who've been sort of real. life Yeah, family. the Catholic Church said that they yeah. they can go and exercise and whatever. So so that was, and then the other one wasn't really a horror; it was more of a suspense. Well, a Guillermo del Toro um, production called Mama, about Mama. these Mama these two feral children who who then are found and adopted, but then they have this uh, presence that. Found them in the woods and was looking after them. And is now. And I also remember um, moments in that movie where where it was the big shock scene, and I actually flew back into into my seat. (laughs) But this one, um, it's an author uh, who who had a success and then has not had success in a while, and is trying and is under pressure now to to do a next hit. And he moves in. What he's a true crime writer, so he follows crimes and he goes and he then writes about them and sometimes he 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 uncovers things that the police didn't cover whatever so now the family moves in town and what he doesn't tell his wife and his two kids is actually moved into the house where this grisly crime occurred and the police of the town are very much against him because he doesn't paint them in very good lights in his books Uh um and then weird things start happening in this house and then it turns out Uh, that there's this um, series of grisly murders that have taken place and he starts to unravel it but it it sort of it goes through he he goes up in the attic to pack some stuff away and there's a box in the attic and Mm. it's uh, an old 8mm film camera okay and basically finds this this cache of of films and as he watches them he's he's they're like snuff films there is a series of murders um and then these weird things start happening. Everyone these needs a kids hobby. kids start happening, yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's properly scary because you watch this footage and then there's stuff that's unexplainable or inexplicable mm-hmm. um, on the the film. And then things start happening in the house and you're trying to piece it all together. And... Um, and it, it doesn't end well for uh, for him and his family. But uh, yeah, so uh, and there's children involved as well who mm. then come into kind of the sinister. I think influence. that's where it
1: where, yeah where it becomes weird for me, and not not in the sort of chucky sense or the or no. the thing where where kids are, but the where, dead eyes of a killer. Yeah, um, like we need to talk about Kevin, that kind of thing, Ooh, yeah. which is a not a horror film, Mm-mm. but is more horrifying. Mm. I think we're a and there was one called Joshua, I think, I think Dave Matthews was a producer on it. Um, yeah. But where the kid is, supernaturally something. Now it might it might be supernaturally advanced, and then you know it's a eight year old with the cynicism of a sixty year old CEO, which is which is horrifying. Yeah. Um, and all of that kind of stuff. Oh yes. Uh, um, we spoke about the haunting of blind man. Yes, I, I've started watching that, and again, that for me is not. I'm just going no. why, yeah. Just don't work in a big old house. It's <laughs> it's you know just watch the damn movies. Uh, you know if you're blonde, don't go to an outside bathroom ever.
0: Um, all of these things you know it's, but it's also short- the, the one child sort of gets inhabited yes. and he becomes has a very old sensibility exactly. and, which is and, quite and, and that, disconcerting that is, it's,
1: but it's, it's yes it's, exactly it's disconcerting but because it's also in something which is marketed up front and that's mm. the problem with horror, is if you just said here's a film watch the film I've got a great story and then, and then it was scary yeah. Then, then I think it would be much more effective if 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 you have to market it as the third instalment in the horror si- franchise. Blah, blah, blah. you're going, you're expecting jump scares. You're
0: expecting. So a perfect case case, case in point for this is I have a very good friend Graham who um, used to go Graham to walk, who Graham Kent who <laughs> who used to um, pop off to America um, in sort of September for their summer holiday, and he would go and work as a camp counselor. In uh, Minnesota, that's it's up near the the border, the northern border. And uh, what part of this camp counseling is they'd get these kids for the summer? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to corral Rosie who's being recalcitrant. <laughs> um, and the, part of it is they'd, they'd pop, they'd go off into the woods for like two weeks, proper camping in the woods, like grizzly bear spray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they do is they'd come back and then they'd have like a weekend off after they've gone on this trip or well, they'd be able to go into town for the night and w- what the counselors would do is they'd maybe go and watch a, a, a movie yeah. to just, you know, have some civilization in life. So he went off on this trip into the woods, um, came back, went into town with his friend They said, oh, there's a new movie, let's go and watch this. It's Blair Witch Project. <laughs> Knew nothing about it. Now there'd been a lot yeah. of, of marketing. Just yeah, about the Blair Witch Project with this sort of faux journalism. Yes, but they had it's seen real. nothing yeah. of that. They had just come back from the woods. <laughs> oh, they went in and he said he started watching the movie and they thought it was a documentary. Yeah. Like all the way through until the credits rolled and it said directed it by it. Yeah, yeah. And then they realized it was actually just a... But he said they were so... Him and his fellow counselors were so scared out of their minds because they were like, this that. is us. We've just done this. Um, yeah. So, so I like
1: <laughs> just to your thing about children, animals... I think another thing. Uh, one of, one of the, I think it was the second ring. One of the ring films. Okay. And there's a scene on a boat, and a horse. It's on a ferry, so there's cars and there's a couple Oof. of horses and blah. And a horse senses the evil presence, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. and it panics. And you and and it's it's all CGI, but you, you it's very very well done, and you just see the panic in the horse, yeah. and you're going, that's terrifying, yeah, because that if you're terrifying. standing next to the thing and it suddenly goes berserk. You're aware, reg- you know, regardless of how much how prescient you think animals are or whatever, you're aware that it senses something. You're aware that it's willing to jump off a moving boat in the middle of an ocean to Do get away. Do you think from it's this. because it can't talk to you and say, "Listen, something's scaring you? It is. It is. I mean, a, a mute again in, yeah, in horror films. A mute is much more terrifying than somebody sure. who talks. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's it's a genre that suffers heavily from from tropes.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, I watched Sinister. It was scary. It, I gave him my little Halloween fix. It's now out of the way. I never watched horror movies as a child. You get many people who went through a phase maybe yes. as a teenager where they went into horror movies now nothing really scares them anymore. I completely missed that. I didn't watch horror movies as a child. So really in my 30s maybe I, I started... Uh, watching a horror movie every now and then just for some delightful frisson some a delightful nice, frisson yeah frisson a little mm-hmm. uh, visceral thrill in my life it's just more to, whiskey there yeah just yeah. to kick kick my now, I must say
1: I like and I love watching well made horror because it's well made as in any, any TV yeah. any film if it's well so yeah. made Hereditary was very well made I well-made. think it was, was overhyped I think that was the issue yeah um, and I just thought it wasn't didn't live up to it Haunting of Bly what? Blind, Blind Manor, Manor is the new one. Um, uh, I'm only one or two episodes in, to... um, and the, there was already this some lovely well-made stuff in terms of, you know, the sort of, you're expecting whatever. You, she sees the yes. guy on, on the balcony or something, and you're expecting him to disappear, and he does disappear. But it, but even that sequence is really yep. well done, and you're going, oh, I wonder where he is. And that's that's where it's effective, because whoever this thing is, he's now in the back of your mind. And if if he stays there and he doesn't come out for a while, then they've succeeded because you are you are waiting.
0: The very first season of American Horror Story was with the Haunted House. Up until I think probably the second last episode, all the way through there was absolutely bone chillingly frightening and scary all the way through until you kind of they they let slip, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah, but that was really really well done. That's
1: an interesting one because that I would agree. And they've coasted for how many seasons but now? But it's also one? because the, it's it's uh, it's not trying to it's scare; it's trying to horrify, and there's a difference. Yeah, it's going. You're going. What? What the? Literally? What the hell are these people doing? Yeah. Good grief! Who are oh my they? Goodness. Why are? What kind of? You yeah. know, in, what is happening inside their heads and their hearts and minds? You know, and you just you can't explain why people would behave that way that's what's scary and 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 the the graphicness of what they do um so again i think there's a large visual component there and a large and just that kind of it's almost like a like a war film or something in which uh, the opening sequence of saving private brian or something yeah it's just this this
0: assault on the senses. assault
1: that's exactly the word assault on (coughs) the senses for Limited amount of time, and then you can you can do some exposition. Then another assault, and I think that's yeah, it
0: makes for for high impact uh, yep. horror. Yeah, I of did thing. I did finish watching Lovecraft Country, mm. which really is one of the best things I've seen for a while. And it's not for everyone. It's quite graphic. It's quite um, explicit and and gross. How many those are it's there? Ten. Okay, because I I got up to four and then it
1: stopped on me. So oh, they, okay, are
0: they there's there now? ten. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I. I really liked it. I liked it visually. I liked it character-wise. I liked the the comments on on race. Um, it does, you know, it goes off as well. It's it's also, and I like this about Jordan Peele is that he is examining race, but he's also like a fan of sci-fi and mm-hmm. horror, and it's got the you know the parallel dimension and a different planet, and um, it, and it's, and because J.J. Abrams I think is involved, it, yeah. it is visually really great, and I really 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 liked uh, the characters. I must say, for, for, again, I'm, only,
1: I'm not the whole way through, so I'll, I'll catch up. But um, I, again, in, in horror terms, at the beginning of the series, just horrible, depressing horror is, is the, the racism. Yeah. And yes, the, the, it, it is expressed in, metaphorically in monsters and stuff, which is, which is interesting and, yeah. and entertaining and so on. But the stuff that, yeah, uh, the stuff that scares
0: me them being chased it, it, out of the town by the uh, just,
1: just the the oh the blatant yeah. unrepentant hate um, and again we know that those people exist outside of fiction and we know that they exist possibly one or two in this complex or in this suburb or whatever mm. yeah and that that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's terrifying, terrifying. Um, okay so I had to do something much much lighter okay. I watched uh, the other night on Netflix um, a film called chef.
0: Oh, which amazing! Is made in, in 2014, yeah, yeah. yeah. John Favreau. That's have you it. watched the Chef Show? I, I, I have not. I so have there's not. a whole series now okay. with him and Roy Choi, where they—it's just a food series. Okay, but it's born out of the movie. But uh, there are a number of things I just—I just loved about this. Now, now, John
1: Favreau, uh, obviously, just. Again, one of those um, very interesting cat, very interesting guy, because an an unconventional Hollywood heavy hitter. Yeah. So, yes. uh, director
0: of the first two uh, Iron Man films, executive yeah. producer of the third Jungle Book. He's done more recently. Did but the just, Mandalorian for Disney now. Star Wars. If he, if he
1: only did the Iron Man films, just yeah. just based on the, on the earnings, uh, he's he's someone that anybody in Hollywood would always pick up the phone for. Yep. Uh, but he's not. A, he's not an exec. He's not a. Hmm. You know, he's not a suit. Yeah, he's, a, no, he's no. a real person with interesting flaws and and emotions and all the rest of it. So yeah, post all of that, making those films, which was in the lead up to to when Chef was made, in twenty fourteen. Um, I think it gives him the or gave him the the space to make literally whatever he wanted yeah. to make. And you can't say no mm. because if you hack him off as the studio, yeah, no, then he no, might not come back a big, and direct your deal. next blockbuster. If you don't say yes when he phones you as an actor. He might not cast you in the next big block, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's this small sort of intimate film with, among other people, Robert Downey Jr., Dustin Hoffman, Scarlett Johansson, Sofia Vergara, John Leguizamo, Bobby Cannavale, all of these people in it. Gary Clark Jr. doing yes, a musical, musical yes. cameo oh, there. So cool. Uh, but just these wonderful, wonderful people. And often... The the, the the chemistry suggests good mates of John's as opposed to colleagues, uh, so particularly this this the scene with uh, Downey Junior mm. It's just hilarious, um, but it's this yeah story about a and again I I love the maybe I'm reading too much into it maybe I'm not but I love the, I love the parallels between um, in the film in chef he's he's a, a respected boundary stretching chef which is a, who's an artist sure um, and he stalled. Um, and then there's a terrible review by a, a very powerful, um, influential Critic. reviewer. and uh, that kind of breaks that breaks him. breaks his heart, breaks his psyche, um, t- makes him think he's doing the wrong thing with his life. Um, and I love the parallels between that and and a filmmaker hmm. who has made a lot of very middle of the road, very massively successful middle of the road kind of blockbustery Hollywood stuff. And here is doing this this very personal, unfashionable story, um, and I, I think I think the fact that he's commenting on criticism and its effect on artists is very important, and I think he's in a position to do it because because of his success, you know, uh, if a million critics hated Iron Man, it doesn't matter; um, it still made seventy-seven billion, yeah, whatever, um, you know, and. Uh, but I, I think it's very important because you know, a lot of criticism is incredibly lazy. Um, so even a, a very good critic can say, like, as in here, it's a beautifully, in, in the film, in the script, it's a beautifully mm. written criticism, critique, but it's unbalanced. Um, and I think, you know, any, any artist or anybody critiquing anything, you have to find balance. I thought that was a very important thing. Also lovely writing. He wrote it as well. Uh, John Favreau wrote the film. Um, and the th- kind of this beautiful dialogue and and sort of sense of of camaraderie, sense of real friendship. Um, yeah, again, making mistakes, saying stupid things, but lots of lovely timing, al- almost uh, sorkin esque mm. in that kind of mm. you know just repartee and and that kind of stuff. Really, really cool. And then obviously all the food. I mean, yeah, this is fascinating. Lots of food it. in there.
0: And And it's beautifully, beautifully shot and mouth-watering and beautifully designed. And really, really on trend because there was this explosion in L.A., particularly with this guy, Roy Choi, from the food truck Kogi. Yes. And where they make those Cubano sandwiches. Exactly, who trains trains John for the film, yeah. So so John obviously, uh, well, obviously, I believe John became really interested in food. I don't know if that was to do with the movie or before the movie or as a result of the movie which has now given rise to this uh, the chef show on netflix which okay. is john and roy going to all of these innovators and famous and trendy chefs all over the place and food trucks and whatever and each show they then make particular dishes but it's so fascinating to watch john favreau in this situation because here's this director writer Gotten interested in food, yeah. So you see him, and he's obviously, um, you pick up through making his own sourdough and doing doing all these things that have become very trendy. He's this big, kind of awkward person, you don't, you know, it's not, but it's it's great, yeah. You must see when these experts say this is how you make it. How uh, it's interesting. I try try to say to my wife the other day, he's operating on this level where he goes, no, 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 I, I want to understand how to do this, show yes. me again. And the guy was like, no, no, let me j-. And he's like, no, no, no. And, and you see the way he speaks to people about taking on the skill that he's decided yeah, to learn. Yeah. He is really operating. Yeah. He's, you can see there's, that he's... There's
1: a little bit at the end, and I don't know if it's from that show, there's a little bit at the end of, of this, this cut of the Chef movie, um, where you see, uh, what is this man's name? Roy Choi. Roy Choi, uh, training him um, on... In in how to make these Cuban uh, no this Cubana was just a property. grilled cheese I think yeah, yeah grilled cheese but, um, but the thing is yeah I, and I agree you you see him watching so that number one when he when he does it on screen it's absolutely real yeah. and and you know see you see the the little you know, extra at the end of, in the credits and then you flip back to the to the scene where he does it in the movie which felt completely natural yeah. and completely authentic and you are going yeah it gives you a, a big insight into how a successful
0: what I'm fascinated uh, about him director. is the way he speaks to people and it's a testament you can see he's someone when he's operating let's say doing a movie like iron man or whatever it is where he is used to being listened to listened to and also he's used to people (laughs) delivering yeah so he says get me this he expects and he doesn't say it in a in a terrible draconian way he's very personal about it but he's used to getting things delivered to him that he needs of a particular standard and when he's in the kitchen with these guys you see that and these are chefs that he's in awe of like yeah, yeah, yeah. proper and and they're saying cut the thing and he's like okay so hang on what do i do with my thumb when i'm cutting this mm, thing mm, mm. right and where do i'm where does it? Where and it's very kind of casual but he doesn't but let exact. it go he no. does not let that no, go because there's a,
1: there's right at the beginning of the movie he's he's standing at a table and, and chopping things up and whatever and there's a scene where he does zucchini or something but yeah. he, it's it's half a millimeter yeah. thick but thin. but he looks over his shoulder as he's doing it and it's super, super quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's cutting, he's cutting, he's chop, 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 and he's not looking. Not looking, yeah. yeah. And you, what you've just said, he he will have researched that so that he's not but any, it at any it's risk. a
0: thing. Yeah, no, no. He will have um, gone and mastered that technique. It's fantastic. Technique. It's, it's, fantastic. It's, it's interesting to see him as a person, though, dealing with, with people. So now he's not in charge. He's in, mm-hmm. a, in a famous chef's kitchen. And he will speak to them in a way... Where he cuts through all the stuff and gets to—he's used to being the sh- that guy, yeah, the chef, yeah. so he knows. So when he speaks to that guy and he says, "I don't want you to to, to sugarcoat this one. Don't don't give me the shortcut. Yeah, yeah. I need to get." And then you'll see, and you'll get, get it wrong, you'll get it wrong, and then it stays with him. And then five minutes later, and and he's sweating and he's in the kitchen and people on pressure. He says, "No, no, no I'm going to do this." Yeah. And he sticks it out, and by the end he's getting it. Like he's really, really oh, switched on guy. John, you so many baby. I will just, while we're talking about food, I'm actually going to give a free plug. What? To some advertising here. A friend of mine's friend started a company called Bull & Bush Okay. Meat. Nice. They supply really, really good quality meat to some very sort of big hitters and whatever, but also they'll they'll deliver. Uh, certainly, I know in Johannesburg, they'll be able to deliver. So you can go to bullandbush.co.za and, and choose some great um like meat delivered to you, particularly in lockdown, if you don't mm-hmm. want to go to the, the supermarket. And it's um, it's relatively inexpensive. It's, it's not like if you go to a wholesale, cheapy place, you're going to get better prices. But it's it's not super expensive, certainly compared to your checkers, your clicks, whatever. And really, really good meat. Fantastic. And now they've got, I don't know if it's a partner or somehow related to them, but I found through Bull and Bush something called Fat Fox Sausages. <laughs> Fat P-H-A-T and Fox Fat Fox Sausage. And they're at the moment running a deal uh, of 25% off all orders until the 9th of November. And they have some crazy, like, sausages, uh, nutmeg, sage, fresh herbs, that rosemary, got, and thyme. Yeah, something called the. It's like gourmet sausage. Nice. And, and you can order, a, like, a, a combo pack of gourmet sausage. Which we expect with our extra case of. Heck, well, Claire. So I've actually, um, yeah, you beef and venison and fig and duck and nice. feta and all sorts of things. So I ordered from them this week and, and got my delivery of a fat fox combo pack. You of really sausages. do need to be careful how you say that, which yes, I mentioned yeah. is the fat fox is the um, <laughs> plan there. Yes, fuzzy right. Duck. So uh, we I recommend leap onto, that.
1: Onto what we're listening to quickly. Yes. What are you listening to?
0: I am listening to the new Bruce Springsteen album, Letter to You. Yes, which has been released this week as well, with a a sort of a a movie and an interview on Apple Music. And I'm fascinated by the following: an artist who, if you've only got so much space on your phone and you're going to load some albums there, and Bruce Springsteen is a is a big hero of yours, which he is to me. I'm going to put on Born to Run. Darkness on the Age of Town, Tunnel of Love, uh, Nebraska. Yeah. You know, those are the albums. But you're speaking as a... a as a big fan. Somebody, and, yeah, and, but somebody who's been listening for 20 yeah, years. Exactly. Years. But yeah. also, these are, these are the albums that mainly... These are the ones with the DNA there. This is, These are the ones with the impact. Yeah. Now... Then uh, there was a time where, as an artist dealing with his success and, and relationships going to, he had to sort of step away from the band for a bit mm-hmm. and do solo work. And then it's it probably like a Devils decade. dust. What a lovely album. Anyway. Probably a decade. And then, you know, reconnected with the E Street Band, who yep. are an entity unto themselves. And then experienced, in the last 20 years, um, this incredible Renaissance or this mm-hmm. this reboot of the E Street Band with Bruce Springsteen and and have probably you know been more successful. You know, after, they were very like hugely successful, born to run, like yeah. the biggest juggernaut of a tour the world has ever seen, and you can't even imagine that to sort of disappearing off the radar and doing his own thing, not as broad appeal whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah and now um, you know come back to it and had even more success in the in the years since and has been re- releasing albums of since i think um, uh, was it magic no uh, what was the one with the radio uh, uh, yes. um, um, magi- there was magic there was uh, no? before on. magic i'm gonna search for it uh, while we're talking about it uh, since um, releasing what i thought was kind of uh, the great I'm going to get it right now, on Apple Music while we're talking. A great kind of um, re-whatever re album. Uh, Magic. Yeah, Magic is the one that I thought was the okay. big big one. What's what the next one called? Working on a Dream. We go, then he did dream. Wrecking Ball, High mm. Hopes. Western Stars was the one quite recently, which actually yes. was, I thought, a fantastic which album. I bought in a beautiful old record store in Atlanta. Excellent. And now I'll let it to you. And it's difficult... Because he's such an accomplished songwriter. Uh, each album I listen this is to. It's a very long point you're making. I'm wondering what it is. Western so. stars and <laughs> it to you is is what's the, you know, if I've got so much time to listen to something, I've I've got, you know, 15 minutes, and I want to listen to an album by Springsteen. Mm. I'm gonna listen to Nebraska or Tunnel of Love. Mm. I'm not gonna go to the new one because. It's sort of tried and true. It's more of the same, you know. There's that yeah, yeah, element yeah. to it. And while it is is chronicling brilliantly where he is in the world now, and uh, and you listen to the interview, and there's some fascinating things about it. It's so difficult for an artist, particularly in the how the world has changed. He it is impossible for Springsteen to make the impact that okay, he made but then.
1: Is that not at least largely down to the format of music now? Because, Absolutely, but because even even the I mean, later to you has been I, I, I listen to most of my online music on Spotify Yeah. and there and I'm not sure if it's everywhere but uh, singles have been popping out kind of every few days yeah, or yeah, at yeah. least once a week or whatever it is which which wouldn't have been the case Sure. so you don't get the packaging of the you know Born to Run was released and then in six weeks time or three months time the second uh, single from that album is released and then etc etc yeah. you know, here, here you're going if, if you don't if you don't Stay in the mi- in the in the minds uh, in the public's ear, whatever yeah. it is, um, with something new today, this week. Um, then yes, are you are you out of touch with this week's audience with with a? But that a, is that an one? ADD it's terrible. audience? It is terrible, but uh, but that is how not But
0: you can't necessarily do anything about that I as think that's artist. what this album showed me it, it, it brought into sharp relief that fact of the, the 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 not just the musical landscape but the cultural landscape mm. that we live in now and how difficult it is for a musician to start a legacy uh, or to to develop as a musician I mean it, it it's so I mean yeah. no, yeah, maybe maybe to all, all of what
1: you've said if, if if this was Springsteen's first album it wouldn't really make it uh, make too much of a ripple
0: no, but that's again. But, but, it's a, it's well, a different it just thing. can't. Sure, if if he was writing his first album now and he did it, and and you took that album and you took it mm. back to when he did his first album, it would have the impact because he's that caliber of artist. But the world yes, has changed. But so exactly. Much.
1: But he couldn't. Again, he, <laughs> yeah. This this album wouldn't have all of that that impact because it wouldn't be talking about you know born in the usa wouldn't be referencing the vietnam War yeah, 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 yeah. and so on and so on and so on and so on so you know there were, i mean there were some older songs on here Janie needs a shooter is an older song um if i was the priest i think is an older song etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know from 20 30 years ago so that's another aspect he's, yeah. he's including songs if they weren't good enough then are they good enough now all of that kind of thing i know they've been rearranged i know the e-street band can make anything sound great ghosts on this album i love yeah, that's great i think ghosts is a phenomenal
0: song i think the album is like just this is what brought it to, to made me think about this is the album is so good like it really is yeah. so good but is undercut by the landscape by the that it finds itself not on the legacy the landscape okay. it finds itself in well it, it's again, such it, a good album and you're like yeah but okay. going back
1: to what was the what's the next what thing was thing the 9-11 album to? uh Ri- the rising the rising phenomenal album yeah around a big world theme event yeah you know for him as an american artist now and and somebody with his integrity and and background and stuff all all he can do now in in terms of uh, to to meet your expectations would be to do something eviscerating trump right now you know what i mean you can't really yeah. write a coronavirus album the coronavirus is doesn't give a toss what you think mm. um so the other the other big deal at the moment that this is released is is the election coming up and so on and so well, on. I don't know that you have to write an album around a big deal. It no, could I be don't, about him getting older or Yeah, but again, the, what he's going the, through other people are getting, you know, everybody's getting older to your point of what, you know. Yeah. Those things made such a big impact because they soundtracked shit, they yeah. Soundtracked sure. something. Um and again, they might be important to you because they soundtracked your development in through, that time, uh, yeah, you know. I don't know what you were going through with Nebraska or Darkness on the Edge of Town, sorry man. but, well, um, but you know, you're just, a lucky uh, <laughs> man, you're a lucky man, the stories I could tell you. But uh, yeah, no, I agree with you in, in that it's it's relatively low impact, but... Well,
0: I was listening yeah. to an interview with uh, the dude from Apple Music who, who used to be in, in London, what's his name, the Australian guy, Zane whatever, Zane Lowe, yes. is that his name? No, he's um, good. And one thing that, that Springsteen said that I thought was fantastic, and this sort of I think will pique our interest as musicians, is he said it's the first time that the songs that you're hearing are the studio takes uh, without any overdubs. Okay. So they've always been a band that recorded live yes, yeah, in the yeah. studio, which in itself is difficult. But this is the E Street Band; these are players. But generally what would happen is they'd record the song live and then they would go and overdub most of the vocals. I yeah, mean, this is yeah. quite... Because you, you're busy normal, playing, yeah. you, know, you overdub and most of like the vocals. And guitars yeah. and whatever, yeah. So he said there, there are a couple of overdubs here and there for maybe like a solo, but it sounds like from what he was saying, I, I, I would measure mm, that mm-mm. like 95% of what you're hearing is the live studio mm. take. And when you listen to these songs, they are... No, no, I that, mean that, that to be that again. Because while I was listening level, to sort
1: sort of slag off the album to some degree, um, I was that's what for me. But again, as a long, a you need to be a long term fan and sort of know who people are, and uh, two you you need to be somebody who who just appreciates good good musicians, good yeah. musicianship, and and that's kind of craftsmanship. So I mean, uh, Max Weinberg on the drums, you yeah. know, it's just oh, I love I love his drumming. So Ghost starts with that big drum beat and whatever, and uh, so I'm I'm loving. And the thing is, again, if if that started playing and I hadn't heard the song in the context, I would yeah. know it was him. And there's something about the way it's played, and, and all the guitars and the layering, and also the arrangements, because there's, there's quite a few songs on this album where, uh, again, in a, in a contemporary mindset, you get to a point in the song you think it could end there, except that the Easter yes. East band never ends. No, there.
0: you hear. And there's another one, th- two, and there's three. another three,
1: oh. mi- and there's <laughs> another three minutes, and it's fantastic. But it, it wouldn't make sense in anybody else's song.
0: Springsteen was saying one of the big disappointments for him now is that so many of these songs would translate live, yeah, so well, and, can't, and he and can't, can't play them. Take now. them on the road, but it'll happen. It'll happen.
1: But it, yeah, I mean, it is. I, li- I like what you said about it. That it is, it's it's a it's a thought. It's a thoughtful album. It's I, also, like it, it's just, I like it. a lot. A, I recommend, a lot of, I recommend of, it. There's a lot of cheese in it.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: Which is no. Which is fine. I have, I like I have no. I have no problem. Him. But it's um, it's interesting because again. He, and he's a particularly good example of it. Uh, Dylan's another one, where your reputation says that you must be this person. Yeah, you know. So again, the rising is astonishing in in how it addresses, uh, you know, the the grieving of a nation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we we we're, you know we're together and it's lovely and that's the power of prayer. it's completely cheesy and superficial, uh, but with the E Street Band behind him. And his voice and his gravitas and so on and so on. Um, just another thing with him, I'm just so impressed with the man. Just <laughs> as a man, as a human being. I mean, he's in his seventies now, and he's still, you know, he could still lift either of us. Yeah, in, in one of hand. He sort of feels like so he's, he's half. Just, he's sort of halfway yeah, through his he's, life. At exactly. The he's, he's having. He, maybe this album is his midlife crisis. Yeah, let's see what he does when he's 140.
0: Um, but yeah, I've been listening to that. I've been listening to a Beach Boys album called Sunflower, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it it from, is. From the, that sort of, the book piqued my interest and I'm loving that. Um, what else am I listening to? Link Ray, The Rumble, which is classic. Um that I'm loving. Love is the king by Jeff Tweedy. His new oh, solo yes. album is yeah. is really really good. I'm loving that. I'm getting into a textural guitar player called David Torn. David who creates Torn creates these soundscapes. Uh, the album called Only Sky. Um, yeah, right. So we'll leap more into those to. chaps in future
1: weeks. I I listen to an album an artist called Lizzie L i s s i e. Yes, who I didn't I didn't know before. Um, singer songwriter, American singer songwriter. Um, and it's one of those. Uh, it's one of those. Album- again, this is an album, which, to your point, it it sounds like an album, and I, I love that some artists still clearly make an effort to do that because mm. uh, it is difficult for so many reasons. But uh, singer songwriter, I again don't know anything, haven't done any research. Start listening. I I hear in her voice a, a little bit of Stevie Nicks, a little okay. bit of Brandy Carlisle, and then occasionally a little bit of Karma Swanapool, which is interesting. Our own Karma, Karma. If I could just. That's the one. Um, no more than twelve seconds, otherwise we have to pay. Um, but um, so so that kind, of, that kind of rock chick, but singer song proper singer songwriters again, Steven X, Brandy Carlisle, all all proper songwriters, proper performers. Um, and then there's a song called "Shroud," which is oh. really really cool. Um, and, and, and they'll very be touring that song. Very tour and shroud Ah, don't get it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, which but it's just it's it's not representative album, but it's wow it's good it's it's this really it's this big um distorted guitar thing it's almost like delicious she's been yeah it's it's kind of the way i described it i reviewed the um the way i described it is she it's karma put through an rem filter Hmm. to sort of come out as the pixies Hmm. um so (laughs) really really great song stroud um but an interesting thing there because now now i've listened to it and i'm kind of i don't know what other people think and I i went to pitchfork yes to see their review and Back to John Favreau and his comments in Chef about criticism. Or this Favreau, was not one.
0: Possibly. Saru, Chateau, Favreau. No, it felt
1: differently. Um, but pitchfork. Something I, I really didn't agree with the crit, and which is not usual, on Pitchfork is usually very good. But the, about half of the thing is talking about um, how she hasn't done as well as some of her peers because her songs are too mainstream. And I thought that's a. Strange, like, number it's one, a different main, place, but main place mainstream folk. is, mainstream is, is, is a subjective uh, topic uh, or judgment, surely. To what's mainstream to you as a sort of bluesy,
0: uh, yeah, whatever, up to a point, I mean, no, no,
1: sure. But again, it is, it is sort of subjective, but also counterintuitive. If yeah. I say something is mainstream, doesn't that mean more people are hearing it, Absolutely. more people are buying it? Yeah, it's on the radio. Yeah. So, so this sold guy's, out. you're making money. So this guy's going, she's not successful TV. because she's mainstream. Which doesn't make any sense Wonder, to me. Yeah, I mean, um, some
0: I know. For instance, I know a friend who who wrote very beautiful music and had crafted it so well, and she wanted to be on a particular indie label, and they were like, "No, you you sing in tune, uh, suss on you, and you you play instruments that are properly tuned." And so you yes, were of your, not interested. They were in t- people who could hardly sing that were banging away on an acoustic guitar that had this quirky yeah vibe to them. pistol. Well, no, not even. And then, but then you only need to release one album. It's a smart,
1: smart move. Anyway, um, it's also the the album is called My Wild West, and there's another thing in terms of theme here, which is which I I really like because I, again I spend a fair amount of time in the studio, and I like the craftsmanship of that kind of space. And so a lot of the songs um, throughout the album, they have there is this this theme of of the West and what it sounds like. Um, I mean, the, the she has an overture, My Wild West overture, as the opening song uh, opening tune so it, that, that's quite cool it sounds almost like a yeah yeah know, high plains, know, what's his name morricone yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of uh, spaghetti western high chaperone um yeah and there's there's you know there's another there's another song called wild west there's another one called sun keeps rising and wild, and so on. So, it's, so it's got that kind of give. that kind of um vibe nice. to it, but it's also got those kind of those uh, we talked about the mexican border earlier those those mariachi trumpets and and uh banjos and things as well so it it does it it really she's she's put it all together it's a great package and i think yes especially relative to the pitchfork review massively underrated um i think it's a very very good album by an artist i'd like to hear more of so i'll be i'll be looking out for her more um
0: yeah so that's that was me mainly in the main i think uh, we need to wrap things up here very nice. I'd like to say another thank you to Bronwyn Williams for the Hague Club Whiskey, yes, which we've which enjoyed we and an ungodly may,
1: hour. We may enjoy each week, and I will yeah. see. Uh,
0: so look out next week for uh, Stefan Has a New Guitar Pedal nice. feature, which I shall be talking about, the MXR Billy Gibbons, Reverend Billy Ooh. G of ZZ Top's, um, Very nice. Octavio Fuzz with onboard EQ pedal, which I snagged at a ridiculous price and I'm loving. <laughs> Um, otherwise, find us, uh, subscribe to us on the usual places. The Chorus Podcast at Gmail. The Chorus Podcast there's.
1: at gmail.com. No dots and whatever's in there. And
0: yeah, yeah let us know if there's uh, something particular that uh, we've spoken of before that you want to hear more about or a particular thing you want to recommend for us to listen, watch, or hear. Yeah, oh, also no, at, we'll at
1: the, those things. At The Chorus 9 on Twitter. Just also something I've just had in my notes here for a while now. just Great people to follow on Twitter. so ah, the, twi- do, the it, do it yourself. Maybe we'll make this a feature. We'll see. But um, Dan Wilson, uh, the singer songwriter for for the he was the band. Damn it, that's gone out of my head. Dan Wilson. Dan Wilson. Uh, Semisonic Sonic. Sonic. Very good. It's um, a wonderful Santa. songwriter, and he's and he's written for Adele and the Dixie Chicks, and he's won all the Grammys and all that kind of stuff. So he does a lot of songwriting advice, very but good. really, really sensible and friendly and clever. At Dan Wilson Music, that's great. Stephen King. Follow, ah, yes. follow them very good. Just follow Stephen King. Quite political. Uh, well, yes, and that's my my one line thing here. No nonsense commentary. Uh. So he's really really smart, um, and he's yeah he's brave. He does all the right things, I think. So uh, no nonsense commentary at Stephen King, and then at Stefan P H A N at Stefan Pastis P A S T I S. He's a cartoonist who does a, a, a strip called Pearls Before Swine, huh. and it's this wonderful wonderful. I'm, I'm amazed at how, because it, it, it's satire and it's funny and it's cutting sometimes, but it's always, always positive. Excellent. And I have no idea how he gets that right, but it's it's, uh, it's wonderful to go and have a look at. So, at Stefan Pastis also on, on upon
0: the Twitter. So go check on those Twitter. out. And that's us, I think. Leer Carr very nice. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you again next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Goodbye.